3: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision?
2: Hello,
1: welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My
2: name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deckett. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this stuff they don't want you to know. First things first, how's everybody doing? Matt, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great.
1: Yeah. Ben, you and I got to hang out on a Saturday for the first time in a long time this weekend. That's true. That's true. Yeah. We, we, uh, we did a show called Pitches, right? Mm-hmm. With uh, our mutual friend, Rowan, mm-hmm. uh, that
2: Noel has been on previously. Yes. That's right. Noel That's is right. on an episode of Pitches, available now, uh, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Uh, and highly recommend it it's a it's a different show it's it's a comedic show don't want to spoil it but you will you will have some fun for those of our fellow listeners who have written in asking us to curse more often <laughs> uh, you can you can check out that show I don't know when our episode's coming out but again uh, Noel's episode with Rowan on pitches is available now wait a minute you guys went blue?
1: I mean a little when mm-hmm. it was called for oh, yeah. okay oh yeah. well, appropriately appropriate yeah. levels yeah. of blue mm-hmm. I, I just have to say I've it was a tremendous amount of fun to be in a podcast situation that was just a conversation. Mm-hmm. We weren't uh we weren't thinking about research, we weren't thinking about notes, we weren't doing any of that, it was just having a discussion and it was uh, such a different experience. It was, it was pretty great. Wish I would have been there, guys. Wish I would have been there.
2: Well, we're all here now. Exactly. <laughs> We're all here now, uh, and if you want to join our conversation as we explore today's episode, please don't hesitate. You can pause the podcast, hit us up, and then get right back to it. Uh, There are many ways to contact us. Usually we do it at the very end, but here are some spoilers. You can hit us up. We're conspiracy at iheartradio.com. You can also call us directly if you're a telephone person.
1: We are 1-833-STD. D-W-Y-T-K. That's just stuff they don't want you
2: to know and, you know, letters for words. Shorthand. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, how about you, Noel? How are you feeling?
0: I'm pretty good. Yeah, I started the day off uh, in a bit of a
1: slump uh, and then I, I I found my I found my groove. I got my groove back like the proverbial Stella. Your Victorville Film Archives hat is fantastic. Yeah. And I can't stop looking at it. Uh,
0: so, uh, super producer Paul... Mission um, Control Deccant and I and another mutual super producer friend and cohort of the podcast Casey Pegram um, separately but we met up, went to see Tim Heidecker and Greg Turkington um, of Tim and Eric slash Neil Hamburger fame do their movie review live show called uh, On Cinema Yes, at the Variety, a local, local venue here and it was an absolute delight. I, I couldn't stop laughing the whole time. It made me feel so good. It was great. Glad to hear you oh, still got it. Coming to your city, I recommend you see it. <laughs> and it was being filmed pretty pretty uh, from all angles, so I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being a Netflix special or because it was like a lot of work went into it. Joe Estevez was there, Emilio Estevez's father. Wow. He was in the show. It was spectacular.
2: Well, maybe, maybe Tim and Joe just like to watch clips of their show, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe they've connected, maybe they're making a special for themselves, well, either way. Well, Joe is a part of the On Cinema lore,
0: he's featured in the, the show, on the YouTube show, and I would not have thought that he would have traveled along with them, but he surely did, and it was, it was just great.
2: Nice, nice. So glad to hear that went well, and uh, you said it was a bit of a long show, too, uh, one of the uh, most popular... Long-running shows in the U.S. is something that we call the presidential administration. Its seasons are issued in four-year blocks. Some have uh, some have gone longer. Some have gotten renewed for season two. Uh, and today's today's episode is about a question that occurred to us. Way back in the days when we were talking with uh, Professor Colt, who will remember uh, longtime listeners from our episode on the zone of death and our episode on what was it? Pardons, right? Yes. Can the president pardon themselves? So this is okay, let's set this question up. Like many, many other cultures, here in the U.S., people have a kind of romanticized obsession with family businesses, the family business. It occurs in fiction. It occurs in all these documentaries, et cetera, et cetera. And it may have occurred in your real life. You may be the proprietor of or the member of a family-run business. Whether we are talking about a local meet-and-three diner, an international finance firm, or a, a, a piano-tuning shop – People love being able to build a legacy, something that they can later pass on to their children, something that they can use to give their kids a leg up in the world. And in many ways, this is massively beneficial for the families, totally. And it can help the business remain stable as long as the kids are not, you know, the the bad apples we hear about who grow up privileged and then promptly wreck everything.
1: Well, yeah, this is a country of immigrants, Right. And, and if you think about it in this way, one of the only support structures you have with you when you're moving to a new country is your family. So, it, yeah, be, it was massively, as you said, beneficial to have that stability within your money-making – I was going to say schemes, but the ways in which you are trying to make money, if it's rooted in that, that family, that's the best way to go.
2: Right. And in other ways – this can be tremendously controversial. There's a flip side to the coin, especially when the family business, quote-unquote, is something that in theory is a public, a public concern, something that's based on merit rather than familial connection. So today's question is this, and it's something that, that we have been kicking around off air for some time. What happens when the family business is the presidency of the United States? Can the president – whomever she or he happens to be at the time, hire their family members. To answer this question, we have, to, we have to look at the history of this sort of practice. So here are the facts. We start with nepotism. If you have listened to the show before or if you have maybe ever been outside – Or met a group of people, then you are well aware of what nepotism is, even if the word seems unfamiliar. It's a practice among those with power or influence in any situation of favoring relatives or friends. Particularly when we say it these days, we usually mean by giving them jobs. You know what I mean? like my uh my brother in law needs uh needs a solid gig, so I'm gonna make him a manager at my landscaping business, even though he'll be in charge of several people who have been working there for eight to ten years and are probably better at landscaping
1: yeah, we're starting a video department at this website oh who are we gonna hire oh All the people I went to college with. (laughs) Zip recruiter, that you got to do there.
2: Yeah, Yeah, zip recruiter will take the take the nepotism out, possibly. (laughs) Uh, So, in the very, very first human tribes and religions and governments, they they this was uh, virtually ubiquitous every organization regardless of its ideology or you know whatever other differing beliefs it had they all placed a very heavy emphasis on this practice people in power gave their positions to their offspring or their relatives regardless of whether the person inheriting this position was remotely qualified Or even unqualified, or even whether they wanted the job or not. You know what I mean? It reminds me of that old uh, Mr. Show thing where the guy working at the pepper factory wants his kid to work at the pepper factory because that's what he did. You know what I mean? It goes into parents' expectations of us. And, you know, honestly, it's while you can see the benefit, it would be a weird world if we all inherited our parents' jobs. Matt, I believe you would be an accountant. Correct. Uh, Noel, I believe you would be an opera singer and teacher. Sure.
1: Yeah. And Ben, you would be in, un, in an undisclosed location doing
2: research for uh, a federal agency. I have no comment. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's weird because that, that stuff, that kind of nepotism can also become a trap and it removes people's autonomy to a very real degree. And In many cases, the practice of nepotism led to predictably terrible consequences for everyone involved. I don't think that's super surprising, right? But in in case it is, let's look at one of the most famous examples of this disastrous tendency, one of the most infamous examples of the horrors of nepotism when it's taken to the nth degree. It's the story of Charles II of Spain, the last Habsburg ruler of the Spanish Empire.
0: So as the result of almost 250 years of inbreeding, which uh, arguably is its own kind of nepotism, you know, albeit a very disturbingly extreme version, um, Charles suffered from multiple birth defects. He had a tongue that was so big he could barely speak and his lower jaw was far larger than his upper – Um, This is a condition called prognathism uh, and it gave it this colloquial name uh, known as the Habsburg jaw. It also is possible that he suffered from acromelagy, um, swelling or disfigurement, especially in his face and hands and a form of kidney failure where his urine was insufficiently acidic, causing the acid to build up in his body.
2: He was also infertile as a result of uh, this this pastiche of conditions, and he was unable to continue the Habsburg line even and those those physical problems, if we're being completely fair, should not ideally affect uh, the position of being being the king outside of outside of uh being infertile because it should all be about your intelligence right uh Charles didn't learn to speak until he was four and he didn't learn to walk until he was eight. He didn't go to school. He was not always expected to be clean. And there was a study of his death uh, over at the University of Santiago de Compostela that concluded it is speculated that the simultaneous occurrence in Charles II of two different genetic disorders, combined pituitary hormone deficiency and distal renal tubular acidosis could explain most of his problems. But the point is this. He was also he was profoundly disabled on multiple levels. None of these conditions, even those woefully, woefully serious mental disabilities, prevented Charles II from literally becoming the king of Spain, which is which is nuts. Uh, his um, his mental acuity was not at a level where he could be unsupervised, let alone in charge of an empire. So this is an example that hopefully history has learned from and we can thankfully say today that the majority of world leaders are not inbreeding with their immediate relatives, so go team. But the unfortunate truth here is that tribalism and nepotism still reign supreme in our species. But wait, you might say – Not the United States, right? Not the good old U.S. of A. Surely there's a law. There ought to be a law. You're right. There is a law, folks, and for good reason. And we'll tell you about it right after a quick word from our
1: sponsor. In partnership with Intel,
2: explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to
0: fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better.
1: In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these
2: spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an
0: Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And we're back. Prior to 1967, which is distressingly recent, there were no legal restrictions on presidents appointing family members to jobs in the executive branch the you know the branch of the presidency which they control and this all changed in 67 when congress included in the postal revenue and federal salary act a section containing restrictions on government officials appointing family members to federal government jobs nowadays the street name of this thing is the federal anti nepotism statute and it's pretty thorough we can actually we can actually read a little bit of it it's it's in legalese though so Wake up. (laughs) Stay, Stay
0: awake. A public official may not appoint, employ, promote, advance, or advocate for appointment, employment, promotion, or advancement in or to a civilian position in the agency in which he is serving or which he exercises jurisdiction or control any individual who is a relative of public official. Should I go on? Yes. Okay. An individual may not be appointed, employed, promoted, or advanced in or to a civilian position in an agency if such appointment, employment, promotion, or advancement has been advocated by a public official serving in or exercising jurisdiction or control over
2: the agency who is a relative of the individual. So that's pretty clear, right? No way, no how. You you can't. You you cannot hire uh, your relative. Um, and part of that, part of that is to find better employees or employees who are more suited to the job. But a big part of it, if we're being absolutely brutally honest, is that hiring family members will naturally tend to lead toward corruption or at least a much higher uh, uh, a much higher chance of corruption occurring and and just to be clear
1: here this is just relatives family members like blood relatives right. that this we're is, discussing
2: here we're not talking about friends acquaintances people right. who like You've, have your back You're members of the skull and bones and yeah. college and stuff uh, and this this goes on uh, to define exactly what could be considered an official. Matt, do you, do you want to give this one a crack? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> An officer, including the president and a member of Congress, a member of the uniformed service, an employee, and any other individual in whom is vested the authority by law, rule, or regulation, or to whom the authority has been delegated, to appoint, employ, promote, or advance individuals, or to recommend individuals for appointment, employment, promotion, or advancement in connection
2: with employment in an agency. So they're trying to cover all the bases. They really, really are. So here's the question. This, this law is, is written in a pretty watertight way, right? They, they try to cover every, every possible way in which uh, a president could hire one of their family members and maybe even give them a pretty nice taxpayer-funded salary without maybe having them actually do anything. You know yeah. what I mean? That happens in the private industry all the time. So the question is, was this law necessary? The answer is absolutely Absolutely, 1 million percent yes – This was a problem. It was an historical problem since the foundation of the country. U.S. presidents have had a long, long history of hiring people based entirely on their familial connections, despite the fact that the U.S. government is meant to be, in theory, a meritocracy. (laughs) Right, and this was common across all political agendas. I know we, uh, you know, there might be people who say, "Oh, this is just a Republican thing," or "Oh, this is just a Democrat thing." This is just a Freemason party thing. Right. No. this is yeah, this is just a, a Whig party or Federalist Party thing. No, this is a people thing. According to the National Constitutional Center, at least six presidents in the 19th century appointed family members to White House positions or other executive branch positions, and at least 11 presidents total have appointed family members to other positions. Uh, People hiring family members to the White House include James Madison, James Monroe, Andrew Jackson, John Tyler sort of a sleeping giant, it's one of the presidents most people probably don't know much about, and James Buchanan. Uh, Zachary Taylor, the 12th president in the country, took his brother and his son-in-law as unofficial presidential advisors. Now, that is interesting that to is me. That's tricky, right?
1: Well, especially because of that position, I can see extreme pros and cons for that particular position as being your unofficial right and left hands.
2: Right, right. And Ulysses S. Grant, the 18th president, hired his direct relatives in official paid positions on the government payroll and he hired him again and all these – no one voted for these things. They may, they voted for the president and then the president just did what they wanted. But by far the most e- infamous example of a commander-in-chief hiring a family member and this is something that might steam some people is the story of President John F. Kennedy. He straight-up nominated his own brother as attorney general in 1961. So we have – despite, again, this uh, purportedly being a meritocracy, we have a family. We have two siblings in charge of arguably some of the most influential and important positions in the U.S. government.
1: Well, I've got a question for you. and I have one for after you're finished. OK. This, uh, this Robbie – Robert Kennedy, mm-hmm. uh, he must have been a – a powerful extremely good at his job attorney, right? I mean no.
0: That, oh. was, that was actually gonna be my question. I was oh. like, surely he was at least a viable candidate. You can't just hire some kind of slouch you know,
2: no good nick to be a
0: job like that. <laughs> well I mean this know, is not, a job like yeah, that.
2: Yeah. He he did me. have a law degree. Well there you go. Uh yeah so the the nomination was controversial at the time. Critics said, that guy is not qualified to be king of the attorneys, yeah. which is how a lot of people would think of the AG, right? He's not qualified to be the emperor of of uh, attorneys. Uh, but Kennedy, the President Kennedy that is at the time, JFK, uh, appeared to take it pretty lightly. He publicly stated when someone was asking about him nominating him, he's like uh, – I'm going to give him a little experience before he goes out to practice law. Ah, ah, Wow. Uh, (laughs) Wow. But behind the scenes, JFK was pretty nervous about hiring his brother. He thought, you know, this is pretty unethical. The guy's main qualification, and everybody's going to know this in the press, the the guy's main qualification is that we are family. Yeah, And that's, you know, that's like a – Imagine if – just imagine any other president who – because we weren't alive when JFK was alive. But imagine if uh, President Clinton or Obama or one of the Bushes or the current president hired their own brother to be in charge of what is and what isn't legal. Yeah. Okay. In a way. I mean Supremes would be the – the ring race would be the kings.
0: We'll I have a follow-up to the question I was asking earlier. Yeah. Um, is it – I mean, what, how do you feel about hiring your friends? Cronyism. I don't hire people to be attorney general. That's, that's fair. But if it's okay for you to do it, are you saying that the law should the, – the rules should be different depending on the
2: stakes? I, I personally I I understand that nepotism makes world grow round, but at this level and with the kind of power these people are touching, mm-hmm. uh no, it is it is fundamentally wrong and repugnant. You think it should fall under checks and balances or be regulated in some way.
1: hmm Especially mm-hmm. in a public office. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of thing it it rubs me certainly philosophically the wrong way. But you know, and it may you as well, but when we're talking about JFK here, mm-hmm. He may not be the one that you should
2: blame for this act. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I was getting to because he was – although he put on a brave face in public, he was privately nervous. He knew everybody would see this as what it was, which was a clearly nepotistic hire. And he did it because his dad made him. Yeah. His father, Joseph P. Kennedy, is the one who had the idea, told him to hire your brother. Don't trust these other ones. It's more like – Hi, your brother. Hi, your brother. He make him my attorney general. I see you breathing. You like breathing, don't you, son? <laughs> Keep breathing. Hi, brother. Look, I've seen that movie
1: *Chappaquiddick*. We all three of us in this room have seen. We that did. Movie. We did. We
2: we know that character now. So that's true. So the anti nepotism law gets passed by Congress in direct response to this appointment, and that's the way the government should work. Somebody. Checks and balances, right? Somebody does one thing that needs to be checked and some other branch of the government comes in and checks on them. So good thing we fixed that, right? Balanced. Yeah, not so fast. That's right. And we'll
1: learn about the law right after this.
2: Here's where it gets crazy. We'll learn about the law versus the law. Ooh So it's just it's such a classic <laughs> classic uh, verses there, right? So you mentioned that nineteen sixty seven anti-Nepotism stuff. In nineteen seventy eight, Congress passed something called Hr eleven zero zero three. It's a bill to clarify the authority for employment of personnel in the White House office and the executive residence. This was signed into law by then-President Jimmy Carter. What it mainly states is that the president can appoint and fix the pay of employees in the White House without regard to any other law regulating employment or compensation of people in government service and these employees can perform the official duties that the president wants them to do. This this seems pretty oppositional to that 67 law, right? In 1993, a guy named Judge Lawrence Silberman – sorry, a judge named Lawrence Silberman. He wasn't. His his first name wasn't Judge. Uh, (laughs) uh, He was at the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit and he said, you know, guys, maybe this anti-nepotism thing, like I get where you're going, but maybe maybe it shouldn't apply to presidential appointments. He said, look, the statute defines agency as an executive agency, but we doubt that Congress intended to include the White House or the office of the president. So he says – I get it. A president shouldn't be able to make their brother attorney general, but maybe they can make him, you know, like a a special assistant. Yeah. We can do that.
1: Well, and again, I can see the benefits of that from the inside, wanting to have the ear of someone close enough to you that you can trust them, I guess. I I do not have experience in this. I I don't think any of us do, but the – The pressures that it would take to function within the White House, you know, uh, amongst that political matrix. I mean, I've seen Veep. Seems like a hellscape. (laughs) Well, yeah. Only hilarious, you know, as far as their depiction of it. But truly, uh, having someone that close to you with that amount of trust, just as – A special assistant in the White House. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can imagine that being desirable for people in the executive
2: branch. What about Trump and his daughter? No one's talking about that. It's an unpaid position that uh, has been legally debatable along with his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, uh, who does not have – you know, does not have what would typically be considered the skill set or the experience for that job. But he keeps asking for higher
0: clearances for these people and they they take – Pretty important meeting. So it's true. Is the pay the issue, or is it more the influence and the their their FaceTime and their you
2: know their being around the office? It's more the influence, and it's more the level of access, and the question of conflicts of interest, and control over messaging, and mm-hmm. sorts of things like mm-hmm. that. But to your point, Matt, you can you know it's it's incredibly understandable uh, to have someone that you know won't. Write a tell-all expose about you right after you're out of office. It's it's super comforting to have that person give you their take on stuff. Um, again, I can't recommend the Onion articles on Joe Biden highly enough. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's like legally speaking, if you if you agree with that seventy-eight uh, HR eleven zero zero three finding, then it's legally speaking completely fine for uh, Paul to be president and then to to appoint uh, some guy he met at a bar named Snakebite to be like his special advisor. And it was like Snakebite's taught me about a lot of stuff. He taught me how to avoid ditch weed. He taught me how to appreciate the music of Scorpion. He taught he, me about love. He taught me about love. He's the man that I think should be uh, going to Bilderberg.
1: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and bring, and bring, or, or Davos, you know, yeah, Davos, whatever yeah, it
2: might Or be. Bohemian Grove, bringing the message of Scorpion to the masses. So, this is not where the story ends, though. In January of 2017, uh, Deputy Assistant Attorney General by the name of Daniel Kofsky, who's a longtime career lawyer at the Justice Department, issued a 14-page opinion. And in this, he said that anti-nepotism law that applies to agencies across the executive branch doesn't actually cover the White House. So like the main big tent item of the executive branch is not, is not is, is excluded from this. And he says, we believe that the president's special hiring authority – from that 78 law, permits him to make appointments to the White House office that the anti-nepotism statute might otherwise forbid. This justice opinion is not binding on courts, so relatives hired by any current or future administration could still face legal challenges, but it's tough. It's tough, because how would you how would you make that a legal challenge? Who would the uh, plaintiff be? You know what I mean? Who, yeah. who would be able to say... The hiring of this unqualified person directly and demonstrably harmed me or someone else or did some sort of damage. That would certainly
0: take time to prove.
2: Right. I mean what are you going to – are you going to say I was going to be the special advisor and then the president found out that I wasn't related to them? Like what What leg do you stand on? What I read, like the causality there is very hard to prove. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. and Very good point. So this issue came back into the mainstream. It wasn't as – it wasn't a huge deal oddly enough uh, in the early days of American society because people were just expected to do that kind of stuff. But it came into the mainstream recently with the current administration because of the appointment of Jared Kushner. Who was the uh, who was and is the son-in-law of the current president, Donald Trump? Jerry Kushner is currently the senior advisor to the president. And he is also an investor, real estate developer, newspaper publisher. This hiring was controversial because they said, well, what is he what what is he advising you on? Like why, why him, right? Yeah. What what expertise is he
1: gleaning or experience mm-hmm. is he? Pulling from to help you out with this advising.
2: Does he have decades of experience uh, similar to Henry Kissinger or something? You know what I mean? Is he deep in the game of real politic? No, he's not. Um, but again, they're saying it's just it's the president's prerogative, right? He is younger. Maybe he's helping him with, you know, memes and Twitter and all that stuff. Perhaps, perhaps. Um Later, in 2017, later the same year that that 14-page opinion got released and used as legal standing for this, uh, the Justice Department also released a series of memos that argued exactly the opposite of what Kofsky was saying. They did this. They released this uh, due to a Freedom of Information Act. Uh, So they wouldn't have come out with this any other way and these memos dealt with – president carter president obama and president nixon and in each case they prohibited these guys and these presidents rather from hiring family members so the question is the question is what makes this case different currently if we, as we look at this high level stuff currently it looks like the consensus here is that the president can hire advisors as he or she wishes and you can kind of Kind of understand if you had a person that you knew was a perfect pick for the job, and you had an oppositional Congress, you wouldn't want Congress or someone else being able to step in and say, "No, you know, we know that uh, Doc, Buzz Doctor Rendezvous Aldrin is is your primary pick for lunar policy, but we don't like him, and we want you to hire, you know, uh, this this flat earther." Because it's better for the numbers. Like you wouldn't want that kind of interference. But how do you make, how do you make something that can also avoid nepotism in the same stroke? It's very difficult. Dang. So regardless of their qualifications or lack thereof, it does appear that at least in certain situations, the president, whomever that may be, can hire their family members.
1: And we just kind of go, OK.
2: That's where we're at right now.
3: Meh.
2: Truck. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, what do you guys? What do you guys think though? Because this is, you know, now we're not legal experts, but this comes down to, I would say, a, a personal question, a question of personal preference. Do you think that is that is kosher? Like, were you president? Would you be hiring your family members?
0: I feel like there's a big backlash to it because of the fact that democracy is meant to be this antithesis to monarchy, which is obviously inherently a familial thing. So we like the idea that it's a meritocracy like you said, Ben. But – we also know that this, everything's not what you think it is all the time. That there is stuff going on in back rooms. There are deals being made to enrich people. And I feel like in a family situation where there's f- more to be gained by enriching your family member because it in turn enriches you and
1: your legacy, maybe that's problematic. I think it's definitely problematic. Uh, yeah, Ben, my opinion is that this is a bad move just in general. Yeah, I think it's a bad move because at this point, the way communication is, the way transparency Mm -hmm. exists, uh, you're not going to pull a fast one. Like maybe you could back in the day Uh where it wouldn't have been as big a deal. But at this point, you can get hashtagged the moment that you try and make this kind of decision of appointing a a loved one or maybe even a loathed one from your family. But – I, it just doesn't seem like a smart move. I I think it will probably go away. I think the practice will go away because it's so unpopular or it's just such a bad look. Because it's such the a optics, bad look, right? Yeah. And the the backlash can be so
2: real, sudden, and uh, it can be devastating. I think that is tremendously optimistic. I feel like it is a very, very bad habit that has been with our species for a very long time and I don't see it changing. I mean let's not forget there – some of the more powerful nations in the world – are still monarchies now I mean, maybe constitutional monarchies but there's still like that means there's still a contingent of people in charge for no reason whatsoever no like no defensible reason yeah and this i i, I feel like we are due for a swing back in that medieval direction especially I, we yeah. have a lot of we have, we have a lot of people uh, in the West, who are currently proponents of neo feudalism? So
1: yeah, no, I see that point completely, but it does. I what I would say, along with that, because that seems terrifyingly um, logical to me. I feel like the friend angle, the acquaintance oh, thing, yeah. like that will probably make a resurgence because we're also interconnected nowadays. Mm-hmm. It it would be hard to argue a lot of the um, social relationships out of hiring for a position or appointing for a position.
2: For sure because, you know, if you are a person in charge of hiring, you usually want someone that you can vouch for. And then friends like to help their friends too. So you get in situations where maybe a stranger who is better qualified gets passed over because somebody knows Donnie Hallbrook from high school or something. You know Uh. what I mean? or from junior year of college, or they're your, like, hangout after work buddy. And that and it's important to say that doesn't necessarily mean those people are unqualified. It really doesn't. True, true. Especially when you consider in some fields, we tend to hang out with people who share our interest. So if, for instance, you're talking about uh, hiring someone to be a new high-wire trapeze artist – and you're a high-wire trapeze artist, it's relatively rarefied air. You're going to be aware of the other high-wire trapeze artists. You're probably going to know them on some level. Yeah. So naturally, you would reach out to them. I don't think we can remove nepotism from the world entire, and it would probably be a fool's errand to try, but – what about removing it from the highest offices in the land? You know what I mean? And again, this is not – this is not to to cast aspersion on or throw stones at any particular instance of this. This is a trend. This is a systemic thing. It's a human desire. It's a human desire but it's also a human desire that can affect, at least in this country's case, more than 300 million people. You know what I mean? Like – just because, like if I were president, I would be terrified of hiring any of my family members, and that's not a commentary on any of you listening. That's just saying it would it would look bad for us. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: Yeah, watch Al Bolins, right, right, in all the various
2: spellings. Okay, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> They're sketchy enough, uh, but we want to hear from you as well because this is this is a. Um, this is sort of a philosophical problem. The the stuff they don't want you to know in this episode is that there has been a long running, not very widely publicized legal battle uh, for decades about nepotism in the in the highest offices in the land. And of course, you can't you can't eliminate all of that, especially to your point, Matt, regarding friends, but. Should there yeah a long time ago, I think we talked about this too, should there be a law that says if you're if you're president or your attorney general or you're a justice on the Supreme Court, your close relatives cannot also hold those positions like in a certain time frame, I think, okay, I think. yeah, yeah, I could see that, but what's what's the time frame it's tricky, like you get you know i I am one. 100% on board with so much of uh, of, of Paul Mission Control Deacon's, like vision, his technique. Mm-hmm. I dig him. I like what he's about. But if he were president and he was pushing to get his brother or something appointed to the head of the Federal Reserve, no bueno. It doesn't matter how much I trust you. You know yeah, what I mean? How
1: did, how did you even get – Access to make that decision, Paul. Man, what you because just... his
2: other brother is on. <laughs> no, I'm just oh, I knew it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But but that's that's the pickle. That's the question. That's the dilemma. What do you think? Uh, is is nepotism a good thing? I know a lot of us listening now um, probably have at least once or twice gotten a job or a cool a cool thing of some sort because of nepotism, but should this should this also exist in government if so why if not how would you remove it could you should you is it even a problem at all is it even a problem at all is it just is it better than is it better than the effort to try to make a country a meritocracy i mean that's the question and i'm not being flippant with that i'm i'm asking yeah i don't know i think the worst thing and we've mentioned it before i don't even know if it was a
1: full episode but we've talked about it before and that's – you mentioned at the top of this about members of the same secret society appointing and running for an office and uh, like holding a public office, office while having allegiances mm-hmm. to some secret organization mm-hmm. um, and then appointing those members to things. I think that's a bigger problem, Ben. Yeah. I think it is because now they can have secret meetings mm. with minutes. Right. That's uh,
0: secret if they keep minutes.
1: Oh, yeah. you, know, you never write things down, man. All internal minutes,
0: buddy. They're like the Jay Z of conspirators. <laughs> <laughs> they just, I don't all, write
2: things down anymore. Exactly, no. Oh. Yeah, I mean it's a good point, point. and then also just to be fair, if it's a personal, if it's if it's like your personal business, it's your private thing, or it's a private sector thing, then you know do do as you will. Uh, hire your kids, uh, just. Be nice if you made sure they were qualified or they had a chance to work their way up. Uh, it may not be the best decision for your business yeah. or your ambitions, but it is your right to do so. It's just again the question is, um, what happens when when it's like a when it's public office? I don't know. I still like. I'll be honest. I it does it does, uh, it does uh, hit my spider sense. It's a bad idea, but I. No idea how we would fix it, and I think a lot of people would be against it, especially in Congress, yeah. which is also a hotbed of nepotism. Yeah. Did you know? Uh, did you know a lot of congressmen used to hire their wives when they were elected as secretaries because not not necessarily because they were grifters, but because of uh, spousal privilege. It means Whoa. it would mean that legally their secretaries could never testify against them or present evidence uh, against them. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Technically hey, brilliant. Yeah. Hey guys, speaking of
1: Spidey sense, guess what I saw last night? Spider-Man. Spider-Verse? Yeah. I saw the Spider-Verse it was finally. It's great, it was
2: right? I thoroughly think? enjoyed myself. Were you familiar with the, uh, with the comics? I know
1: who Peter Parker is. I'd never met Peter B Parker before or Peter Porker or any of the others. Yeah, but uh pretty pretty dang pretty dang great.
2: Yeah. I I bought a copy of it. I'm, it's it's a great relaxing film and it's a film for everybody. You don't it is. have to know about the life of Spider-Man.
1: They lay it out for you about 7 times they uh, do. The, the the basic <laughs> Peter Parker story. <laughs> they
2: do. Well, Matt, when are you going to see Avengers Endgame? Because I am just – and I know Paul is as well. We're just – we're waiting for you to see it so we can ask questions. When
1: some intergalactic tough guy, you know, gets a glove that has all the pretty gems on it, that day Time out, Michael Jackson? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> mm, Cancelled. <laughs> but that day I will see Endgame. All right. Basically on the Endgame. In, during the Endgame.
2: During the Endgame? Yeah. All right, maybe when it hits Netflix.
1: Yeah, yeah. You saw Infinity Wars, right? It's on Netflix currently. I did. I sleepily watched it on a plane, and I was
2: enthralled. Sleepily enthralled. <laughs> uh, hey, if you want to, uh, if you want to give Matt some uh, some fake spoilers, as long as they're absolutely not true spoilers about Avengers Endgame, uh, where, they can they can just call us, right? Yeah. Uh, leave us a message we are
1: 1833 stdwytk we had a very funny person call in f- recently to when we were recording this who told us about their their pets that were very disturbed by an episode that we had recently pets? covered yeah oh yeah do you want to just play that one now i think we should it's let's just fun it. let's just play it hey guys so That episode really upset my ferrets, Roger Manafort and Paul Stone. Could you dial it back a bit? Also, my bullfrog, Mitch, man, his eyes bulge. Every time you
2: say accountability, it's almost like he doesn't understand what that term means. And you're really throwing the whole dynamic of this house off.
1: And
4: it's just kind of upsetting for everyone. So if you could just keep that in check, I'd appreciate it. Thanks.
1: Just so dry. talking about his ferrets with uh, political names.
2: scaring scaring ferrets and frogs <laughs> that's 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 our new thing. Uh, do you I wonder if any pets listen to our show?: Yeah, I think so. They, there's got to be some, right? I have uh, my, my cats sort of listen to it. But mainly for the sound cues. That's really great.
1: I tried to play it out loud in my house one time and my uh, my dog Penny genuinely was doing that thing where she tilts her head a little bit and perks her ears up and uh-huh. like, doesn't understand what the sound source is or what's coming from where. Because like, she knows huh? it's your voice. Huh? Yeah, but I was sitting right next to her. So why isn't it coming from you? <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, What else? If you hate the phone, uh, but you have some opinions on this, some arguments for or against nepotism in the highest office in the land, uh, you can tell us about it on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Uh, You can talk directly to our favorite part of the show, your fellow listeners on our Facebook page. Here's where it gets crazy. If you don't want to do any of that, you can send us an email uh, that I think is working
0: now. I've been in a little bit of a back and forth with our IT department as to whether these new aliases are working yet or not.
1: But I think they are as of now. We are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com
2: $25 each.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's Livenation.comslash concertweek to buy now.
3: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last twenty-five years I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?